William Carey University is one of the top universities in the Southeast. With multiple scholarship opportunities for incoming students, it's one of the most affordable private universities in all of America. Carey provides a multitude of undergraduate and graduate programs, as well as over 10 different doctoral degrees. Did I mention that Carey also boasts one of the top 100 med schools in the country? And I also hear that the baseball team's pretty dang good. Check them out on all forms of social media and visit wmcarry.edu for more information. If you're looking for hats for your business, hunting club, or just whatever, go check out Chickasahay Hat Company. It's locally owned by good folks so you don't have the hassle of dealing with big box companies. They carry multiple different brands and sizes, including the number one selling hat, the Richardson 112. Custom embroidery is available on all hats and shirts, and to top it off, 10% of all profits go to charities for people that struggle with addiction. Like I said, good people. You can check them out on Facebook at Chickasahay Hat Company or on the web at ChickasahayHatCo.com. Back to bags and move down to Florida. I've been blue since she's been gone. And this bowling green motel room is now my old country home. And we're back. Another episode of the Pinstripes to Camo podcast after uh, after taking about a month off. Um, Gone but not forgotten. <laughs> I'm Ben Smith. We got Matt Langford and Hunter McCool on here with us tonight, uh, as always. And uh, anyway, glad to be back. So, yeah. Um, before we get going, uh, I didn't do an idiot of the week. Um, but give some updates on some uh, former idiots of the week. The two guys that were sentenced uh, in the walleye fishing tournament scandal for stuffing lead weights and walleye fillets in the fish. Uh, got an update on them. Why? Uh, so they went to court. They pled guilty. Um, and now their fishing licenses are suspended for three years. That was Jacob Runyon and Chase Kaminsky. And Chase Kaminsky had to uh, also give up his $100,000 bass boat. And Do they call them bass boats or do they call them walleye boats? Well, they're not either. They're, uh, you've probably seen them. Lund is a big manufacturer of that like type of boat. But they kind of have like, they're like aluminum, kind of deep V. You've, you've seen them before. Yeah, wh- so what do they call those boats? I don't know. I don't know. All right, I'm on it. Y'all keep talking. I'll try to Google it. <laughs> and Matt, you know said, what I'm talking about, though. They have like little windshields and stuff. You yeah. know, what I'm yeah. Okay, it's almost almost looks like a ski boat, man. Kind of like an aluminum ski boat with an outboard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And Matt said it earlier. Um, <clears throat> we actually tried to record this episode earlier. We're all calling in tonight, um, but we had some weather roll through and uh, some power outages and stuff, so. Uh, Matt said earlier that they also got um, 10 days in jail, which... Correct. You know. I mean, who hasn't been in jail for 10 days, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, hey, they're called walleye boats. They're called really? walleye boats. Yep, walleye boats. Well, see, we wouldn't know that down here. We don't have walleye, so that makes sense. Yep. Um, you know that uh, spearfishing is now legal in the Great States. And it, it used to not be? It used to not be, that's correct. Huh. Hey, I want to talk about some spearfishing in just a minute, but before we do, um, I also want to talk about another person we had on the show that had uh, some some legal stuff go on here recently. Uh, our good buddy Carl Ray Holifield. Well, <laughs> I'll rephrase that. That's mine and Hunter's good buddy, Carl Ray Holifield. Correct. Uh, <laughs> um. Carl Ray had his court case as well uh, while we were out, and he ended up pleading guilty for intimidating a witness and has been ordered to spend five years uh, on, of probation. Um, and as I've said before, I think we've all said it, I think it's kind of a case of he knew he was wrong for what he said, but... This was some serious government overreach. Um, 
he was actually yeah. he was actually facing up to 15 years in prison and i don't blame him for for you know taking the plea deal there's no way you can risk going to prison for 15 years yeah there's no way but you know i mean he said some things that were inappropriate said some things that i wouldn't say publicly um i you know I'm not sure what he said, so I can't say whether or not I would say him privately. But, uh, you know, you just hate to see him being policed for, even if he was slandering a government official, you know. <sighs> yeah. Um, you know, in, in the deal, it said that he made 10 to 15 Facebook posts threatening the guy to tear up the ticket or else. Again, I have no idea. I know of one thing that he said which was wildly inappropriate right. and disrespectful. Um, but again, like, you know, I've been called plenty of names on the internet and I've never gotten, you know, to put someone on parole or for probation rather for that. Um, so, you know, I don't know of all the other things that may or may not have happened, uh, ignorant to that. So, well, I saw some of the videos that, that I'm assuming are the videos that were in question and, it really wasn't anything out of the realm of what he normally does. Right. You know, but I can see where they said, okay, he's directing this at this guy and, and, and whatever. And, but I think they just tried to make her honestly, I, this is my honest opinion. It doesn't have to be the opinion of pinstripes camera. This is just mine. They made an example of him, you know, that they're not going to tolerate any kind of stuff toward law enforcement. And, Obviously, his platform of the the hopping fences and poaching turkeys is something that a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people yeah. like it. So, uh, but the good thing is, uh, Carl Ray has uh, uh, given his life to Christ through this. Uh, so now this all becomes his testimony, and he can he and his family can move forward. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh shoot. Let's talk some spear fishing, man. Uh, it's summertime. Uh, it is summertime. Or, or it's my we, time. Or do we want to say why we hadn't been here for the last month first? You can you can go ahead and touch on that. Okay. The reason we haven't really done anything in the last month has been baseball related. Um, uh, for those of you that have never listened to the show before, I do coach baseball at William Carey University. And this year we won our regional and we went to the NAIA World Series in Lewiston, Idaho. So I was going up there for a couple of weeks and uh, we ended up finishing fourth in the tournament. So we finished the season fourth in the country. Um, a lot of fun. Idaho's a cool place. Uh, looks nothing like Mississippi. Um, a lot of potatoes from what I've heard. I didn't see any potato farms while I was there. Well, you just went to the right spot because every potato I've ever eaten in my house has been come out of here. <laughs> I must not have been. Uh, there were a lot of uh, barley fields where I was at and uh, a little bit of wheat, but we were kind of in uh, kind of in some hill country. Yeah. Well, look, I, uh, I knew, you know, whenever y'all entered the tournament, and I, I did look at the bracket because I was curious about kind of how it worked. Um, because it is different from, you know, what, what I'm used right. to following, it's, which is yeah, Omaha. It's a, but, it's a little different than Omaha, sure. But uh, I knew that y'all were doomed whenever I saw a team named Lewis and Clark, because that's got to be the coolest name for a college. <laughs> um, and you ended up playing them, and they're the team that put y'all out. But who won the NAI World Series? Uh, Westmont, California. Actually, the team that... The, the, our first loss, it's a double elimination tournament. Uh, we won our first two games. Uh, the first team we beat was Bellevue, out of, who was actually out of Omaha, Nebraska. Um, they had a really good team. They were the number five seed. We were the fourth seed. They were the five. Um, we beat them, and then we had to play the number one seed, which is Southeastern Florida, the defending national champions. And we played uh, – the guy that pitched against us was the pitcher of the year last year in the NAIA, uh, Rob Adams. And we uh, we kind of roughed him up a little bit. We beat them thirteen to four. Um, so you're kind of feeling really good. And then we played Westmont 
out of Santa Barbara, California. Um, jumped out to a 3 nothing lead, and then uh, from there they just kind of chipped away, took the lead, and then the wheels fell off for us. They ended up beating us. Uh, we dropped down into the loser's bracket, and uh, our next game was mm-hmm. against Lewis, uh, Lewis Clark University or Lewis Clark College. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but y'all uh, kind of ran out of pitching in the loser's bracket. Yeah, you know, our in the third game, our starter didn't go as deep as, as we needed him to. Um, so we had to get into our bullpen in that game. And that was, I would say, if our team had a weakness this year, that, that was uh, that was absolutely going to be it was our bullpen and the, the lack of arms in the pen. Um, and that's what did us in. Uh, the game that we got put out, our – once again, our starter, who who was actually the pitcher of the year in our league, came back. Uh, he'd thrown the first game of the tournament, and he was able to come back uh, for the fourth game. And um, he had a, uh, a really he had a little bit of a back injury going on, and you could tell from the get go that he didn't have his best stuff. And he only got through, I think, two innings. Um, and then from there, the bullpen just we couldn't ha- hang on. Um, they jumped out to a six nothing lead. We ended up tying it six to six, and we just couldn't hold it from there. So, but uh, you know, a really good year. Coach Offer got his thirteen hundredth win of his career while we were up there. Um, the team ended up finishing with a forty nine and eleven overall record, uh, which is one of the best years in school history. Uh, they broke just about every offensive category in the record books. Uh, school record books. So, and then, uh, you know, we come back home and, and Matt's team's tearing it up, you know, uh, Southern Miss, uh, another, another really good year for them. They end up winning the, the Sunbelt conference tournament. They go to a regional at Auburn. They win that. They hosted a super regional here and, uh, play, all, they play all three games there before Tennessee beat them. So, so really, uh, Really good baseball in the city of Hattiesburg this year. Uh, I've actually seen signs all over town that call it Baseburg. Um, that's pretty good marketing because I think Hattiesburg is, without a doubt, the college baseball uh, king as far as the city this year. So I, I don't think there's another city in the country that can claim uh, the success that we have this year. Matt, that's USM's your team, man. This is your, this is your chance. Yeah. Well, first off, you guys. You guys did really well. You were telling that finished fourth or fifth. It was fourth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's let's congrats on that because that's that's a big accomplishment. Um, the only way somebody can have a better town for baseball is if one of the top three at the NAIA also has a team in the College World Series. You know that town or whatever. Yeah, I don't. Uh, from the teams that I've seen that are in Omaha this year, I don't. I don't think there's an NAIA school in the town that. That uh, that made it to the World Series or won a regional or you know went to a regional or anything. So yeah, hey, look, as a Southern Miss fan, dude, we we can't ask for anymore. It was a great season. Uh, if you'd asked anybody two months ago, they never would have thought we'd been a super regional. I mean, I think at one point I read the team was twenty four and fifteen, and I want to say they finished at forty six and twenty one. I think that's something like that. Yeah, the so six losses up against 23 wins or something to end the season. Right. Uh, really good. Uh, I mean, look, the, the host of Super Regional two years in a row, that's crazy. For, uh, you know, and you never want to you never want to say that just because you're smaller you can't be as good as some of the bigger schools or anything, but I think uh, to, to do what they've done over the last, not even just two years, but over the last – 15 years, um, or you can even go back 20 years. I think, you know, uh, so it's been amazing, though, the the consistency of that program. It's been fun to watch. And uh, obviously, you know, Scott Berry uh, is retiring this year, so he just coached his last game at USM. Um, and by the way, he's uh, agreed to do a show with us here coming up. So uh, I wanted to give him a little break after after finishing the season, then we'll have him on and, and uh, we'll talk about his retirement and as well as uh, the deer hunting contest that we had last year with Southern. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I went to the game Monday night, 
it's the first USM game that I've gone to, and I don't even remember the last one I'd went to. And uh, the atmosphere was fantastic. The baseball was great. Um, and and I don't mind saying this on air. Uh, watching Coach Barry at the end of the game tip his hat, you know, to the crowd and walk off, you know, in the left field, uh, kind of tugged at my heartstrings a little bit because I know he's somebody that's meant a lot to college baseball. He's meant – uh, uh, he's meant a lot to the Hattiesburg area, um, so it's kind of sad to see him go. Yeah, we we love Barry. I mean, but you know, Coach O's taken over. Uh, he's put together some really good pitching staffs over the years. So yeah, I look forward to it. I don't think you'll see a drop. I really don't. I think you'll see the same consistency with Coach Oz as uh, as you had with Barry and with Palmer. Um, so. It'll be exciting to watch. And then, you know, and and for as for us, uh, you know, we only lost three guys off this team. Um, we lost our Saturday starter, our shortstop, and our center fielder. Other than that, we'll have everybody back. Um, now, those are three really good players that will be hard to replace. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, we'll have a really, really good nucleus coming back off of a team that – has you know played in some big games now, and they kind of they understand what it takes to to get out there. So hopefully we can have another another good year next year. All right, that's our baseball for the night. Uh, yeah, Hunter. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad baseball season's over. We know you are. Been, been over well, for me for a Hunter. While. Your baseball season's been over for a couple weeks, huh? <laughs> yeah, months, 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 man, months. <laughs> uh, far, far Mike Bianca. It was a fan. You, you have a natty. <laughs> yeah, correct. I'm sitting fat still, but uh, and still the reigning national championship. In case anybody was wondering, but I did think it was beautiful that uh, old Mrs. AD did not extend Mike Bianca's contract after this season. So that was great. How many years old does he have? Left? Three more. Three more. He'll there, are, there are no buyouts in college baseball. So, you know, unless somebody like, uh, you know, there's catastrophic or like if somebody, well, there's not really a out there that just fire them with calls, like if you bet on games and stuff. I was waiting for somebody to say it. Alabama's coach. Is, is yeah. it not amazing, though? All right, so Alabama was kind of, I mean, they were, they were, they've been a good team all year. But how amazing is it what they were able to do after firing their coach halfway through the year? Well, what, to be fair, it wasn't halfway through, I don't necessarily think. But regardless, I think that teams – I don't – that's not strange to me. I didn't – that wasn't surprising because Mississippi State did it, you know, after they fired, fired, fired Canizero or whatever his name was. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, Andy Canizero. Yeah, so, uh, like, you know, teams kind of rally around their interim and then they – now, I did like Alabama's hire, the uh, Maryland coach, because Maryland's been consistent for a while now. So, yeah, um, that's an upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, but, I mean, I don't know what type of NCAA things will come out, come down on Alabama. That was going to be the next thing I was going to ask. I wonder what they'll, you know, if there's any kind of punishment to the program for what for what that guy did. Um, yeah, I'm sure there would there, there has to be. Um, I would think you know, so. Uh, but the NCAA is not very consistent. So I think Alabama did a, a – the, the university itself did a really good job of cutting ties with him really quick once all that came out. Well, you know, Alabama University is – University of Alabama is just a corrupt, you know, <laughs> institution as it is because all their basketball players kill people. Their head coaches bet on games and, you know – Depending on what side of the NIL Nick Saban's on, he has a different opinion every other month. So, Football you know, it just isn't what it is. clean, man. Yeah, squeaky clean. <laughs> That's right. Hunting season is here, so why are you still loading your four-wheeler in the back of your truck? Head on over to Bill's Collision Center and Trailer Sales in Columbia, Mississippi. they got a trailer for all of your hauling needs, including trailers for four-wheelers, side-by-sides, and tractors. Gooseneck trailers and dump trailers are also available. And in the event that you kill a deer with your truck rather than your rifle, they can take care of that too. Check them out on Facebook at Bill's Collision Center and Trailer Sales or give them a call at 601-736-3219. Let's get into some spearfishing, man. I, I, I know you've been a few times uh, 
you've sent us some pictures. Uh, I'm still kind of on the fence of whether or not I want to even attempt that. Um, but tell us, yeah, give us a rundown of that. So it's important. I know last year I was talking about it, but I was doing it like at the rocks at Perdido Pass in Orange Beach. So I'm doing it five, six for the water, not even going to the deep end, don't have fins, don't even have a snorkel, just have, you know, goggles and a uh, crappy spear pole. Um, and that was like awesome. So that kind of led me through, you know, I tried to go again. It was way too cold, didn't have a wetsuit. And then I had all winter long to just to have that fester. And that went into me building a spear gun that went into purchasing, you know, legit fins, you know, better gear, knobs, belts, weights, the whole nine, learning the art a little bit of free diving, how to do it, how to do it safely, stuff like that, because there's a ton of stuff when it comes to free diving that, you know, it's not as simple as just you just hold your breath and you swim down there and you shoot something. Then when you need to breathe, you just come back up a little more complex than that. Um, so that kind of, I had, I had a, I'm, I'm glad that I had the off season, which really there's not an off season because you can just go whenever you want. doesn't have to necessarily be summertime. Um, but I'm glad I had that time to like, to where I had, I couldn't go and couldn't do stuff that was dumb. You know what I mean? Like I had to watch YouTube videos, read articles. And that gave me time to, you know, I built a spear gun that operates and is beautiful and it kills massive fish. Um, Hunter, how deep are you fishing right now? How deep of of water am I in or how deep? No, just average depth that you are in the water when you make a kill. Average depth, I would say, is 20 feet, but that's okay. because I'm killing stuff that is, if we're doing averages, um, I I have killed mangrove snapper at 50 plus feet. How long does it take okay. you to get down to 50 feet? It does not take long, 20 seconds. Okay. Well, okay, so let's say you go... You go down 50 feet, it takes you 20 seconds. How long do you yeah. stay before you have to surface? I, I will stay at, you know, I, it's all, it's all, uh, it's all based on the amount of oxygen you consume going to 50 feet. So you have a good duck dive, which is your like entry dive into the water. It's like a motion that you do. You know, you kind of tuck your knees to your chest and you throw your feet up above your head you know, as efficiently as possible with, you know, because that's a, every, every movement becomes energy expenditure whenever you're free topic. So I know it sounds crazy to like talk like you don't want to have an aggressive entry into the water because you're going to burn too much oxygen. But I mean, you know, that little bit of oxygen could be 10 feet. You know what I mean? No, that makes sense. Um, Marathon uh, runners, you know, they train not to move their head. Correct, and their and their hands and their arms, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So, whenever you're entering the water, you make it a good, efficient entry after a really calm breathe up. So, like, you know, I kind of have a method now to what you know I find to be the best because everybody, I guess, is kind of different. But I'll go, I'll try to relax as best I can, like just floating on the surface, trying to pick at my spot. What fish am I going to go after? You know how you know wh- whatever and then i'm just relaxed and taking deep breaths in deep breaths out and i'll go 75 percent in 100 percent exhale so like not not packing my exhale out if you will like not continuously forcing trying to get every ounce out but a, there's a difference between an exhale and a full exhale you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so a full deep exhale and then a big giant super deep breath way into your stomach and then you make your duck dive and if all that's smooth and good and you're calm and your heart rate's not super high you know i can go down to 50 feet hunt or do what i gotta do for the next you know 15 
maybe 20 seconds and then come up. So total time underwater, diving, maybe a little over a minute, maybe not, just depends. I mean, when you start coming up, you know, depending on how you're weighted, super efficient, super fast. Um, you really don't even have to kick at a certain point because I would rather be more buoyant than negatively buoyant. But, um, cause you know, you, you're, you're dealing with pressure and stuff too. So at, at about 30 something feet, you become negatively buoyant and start to sink. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Is there like a depth you get to where you have to work far less to get down? Yeah. So after about that 30, to 40 foot mark you just start to sink okay you become you ideally you would be neutrally buoyant at 33 feet and okay. then after that you would just free fall not okay. not fast you're not flying to the bottom but you know it you would be if you were at you know 120 foot deep or something like that but you know and there's almost a i know it sounds horrifying and you know to a degree it is, but like you're kind of blocking it. And I do this at the house now all the time. I'll do like active breath holds. So I'll get out in the yard. I'll mark 90 feet off and I will hold my breath and I will walk at the same speed that I'll fin to 90 feet. And then I'll get to 90 feet. I'll kind of walk around like I'm, you know, hunting, like I'm getting on a fish or something. And then I'll walk back 90 feet all while holding my breath. That's a lot safer way to train because if I black out in my yard, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to be fine. You know, I don't have to have anybody there to help. Uh, but there's almost like a feeling of euphoria that you get, you know, like down deep like that. And that's not even deep compared to what other people are doing. Like there are people who are doing 120 meter. So, you know, over 300 feet deep free dives. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I can't really explain it you know, the pressure and the stuff like, it's just, it's super cool. I'm happy I found it. Um, I promise I'm doing it safely because that's not, I do a lot of stuff that's not safe. I don't follow many safety rules at all, but that's one that I am particular about because there's not a comeback from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I feel like it, there's just a lot of stuff that can go wrong doing this. (laughs) Yeah, well there is, but, to me, it still feels safer than scuba stuff because to me, scuba gives you a false sense of security because you oh, can breathe. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you go past 40 meters scuba diving. I, I know I'm talking meters because everybody who talks about diving and free diving and stuff like that speaks in the system. I promise. I hate all other, um, I believe in the, the imperial um, system. Yeah, the imperial system, 100%. But once you get past the 120-foot mark, you have to have combined oxygen, scuba diving. You have to have, like, a nitrogen blend, like nitrox and stuff like that because nitrogen builds up in your body and you, like, essentially get drunk and pass out and die. So right. there's uh, there there's give and take everywhere, but, is you know. It, is it easier to hold your breath when you get in, the, like, down in the water like that? Yes, because of your dive reflex. That's built in, hardwired into your brain. Um, Your heart rate will slow down and your body will realize it's underwater, pressure's building, and it will divert oxygen primarily to your brain and heart. Okay. Because I I want, Um, because like, I can, you know, get in the shower and wash my face and hold my breath for like 15 seconds and then uh, I get soap off my face and I'm gasping for air. <laughs> yeah. Well, that might that <laughs> you you may want to train a little bit before you hop right into it. But again, spearfish, even in deep water like we're doing, 120 feet, it's you can. There's plenty of stuff to hunt near the surface, and if you can hold it, because I want to go. If you can hold your breath, go out in your yard and walk 10 yards, and then go back to that same spot. You know, without running or jumping or diving, just a normal without, normal walk, but. Just a normal pace, maybe slower than a normal pace. Just kind of take your time, relax, walk 10 yards, walk back. You can dive 30 feet. And it's not like you have to have an insane breath hold to dive 30 feet. It's not, you don't know, you think you do because you're used to swimming like without fins and stuff. Right. You know, fins make 
an incredible difference in, you know, how efficient you use energy in the water. Um, so you can go down 30 feet. Now the problem is going to be your mind when you're actually offshore in the ocean, in the big water, like, like corralling those thoughts of, you know, whatever insecurity you may be dealing with at the time. Um, kind of containing that and going to a place that's, you know, calm and relaxing. And then after over time, you know, you'll be able to do it, but there's plenty of stuff to hunt within 30 feet. I literally shot the biggest snapper I've ever seen with my eyes at 25 feet. That's the one we, you posted on our uh, social media account the other day, I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 That's the, the biggest snapper I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that's like, uh, how big was I was it, thinking about, way? It was 34 inches long, and it weighed around 24 pounds. Okay. I had a crappy scale, nice. so I can't tell you exactly how much it weighed, but it was 34 inches long. Um, I mean, that's like shooting a, you know, 135-inch deer. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a big deal. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a great snapper. You know, they don't just, you know. And that snapper that's there, and I was at that rig in 50-something foot of water, has, is, probably 30 years old. He's seen every bait that's ever been dropped at that rig. And he maybe has lived there his whole life. Maybe not, but you're never pulling that snapper out of that rig. But he's he's going to, you're never getting him out of there. He's too powerful. But he's like, nev- but unless he's never you're seen a guy with a spear gun, apparently he's never seen a guy with a spear gun. <laughs> he turned and looked right at me and I put the spear right between his eyes and pulled the trigger. How, <laughs> how far was he when you shot him? That's, that's something that I'm still kind of dealing with because it's perception that is difficult underwater because I thought the fish was 27 inches. I thought he was legal, but I thought he was, you know, 21 inches, something like that. Yeah. So I shoot the fish and then I swim up because I, I, I stole him. So I'm not worried about him tang on up. So, you know, I have my rod, I mean, not my rod, my uh, spear gun reel free spooled. And I just swim up to the surface because, you know, he's not going anywhere. He's dead. And I start pulling him up. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's a little bit bigger fish than I thought. So I grab him and I swim to the boat, put him in the boat with that. And when I pull him out of the water, I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is uh, That's a, really this big is fish. a little wild here. <laughs> and then actually when I get in the boat and kind of can process everything, I'm like, this is the biggest thing you know that i've ever seen and that's not it's not a world it's not a record setting snapper by any means but you know i mean it's it was definitely a big deal for me and dad because you know we're we're used to a big snapper being you know 26 inches you know that's a good rod and real snapper that's a good keeper um those are hard to get but you know i've shot dude i've killed so many species uh just like the last trip we went on, we went out to the same spot. Water was too bad. Rode further offshore, got out to 120 foot of water, got in some blue water and I hop in the water and I got a video that I can post and send y'all. And there's like 50 barracuda and I can see 80 foot deep. Wow. And it's like, this is just the, the whole ecosystem. We counted 16 different species of fish, you know, and 90% of those were edible fish. You know, and I'm killing yellow jacks. I'm killing spades. I'm killing mangrove snapper, red snapper, just the whole nine. Just, and once you do that, once you shoot a moonfish that you've never, you didn't even know existed until you get there, you know, and you eat it. Like I did tonight during our storm break, I literally cooked moonfish and yellow jacks. What's it taste like? It's, it's not, it's not, the moonfish is like uh, a little bit dirtier than red snapper, cleaner than cleaner than like catfish. Like it's 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 clean, but it's not red snapper. It's not like on the elite pedestal. But yellowjack was just as good. Okay. I mean, it tasted. I mean, it's great. You know, um, and those are easy to come by. Well, you know, you can fill the boat up with. Well, I've I've got to ask a question, and I, I, I'm. Matt may be wondering the same thing. Anytime you start talking about diving in the water offshore, 
Yeah. The first thing that comes to my mind, you know what it is. Sharks. Sharks. Shark. That, yeah. Yeah. I saw about a eight foot bull shark when I was out there. So are they just not everywhere? They're not just all around you? <laughs> no. Um, you know, Brad, Brad was with us, Brad Wheat, and he, uh, he was scuba diving, um, which is not advised for anybody to scuba dive by themselves. You know, even with, even with people who can free dive, you know, I'm not, I'm not acting like I'm good at free diving. I'm, I know my limits and I know what other people are capable of, but if I can, you know, if you pass out at 65 feet, I'm getting you, you know what I mean? Right. Like I can, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a ditch my spear gun. I'm not going to have any extra weight. You know, I'm, I'm going to get you at 65, but, um, you know, Brad was diving some scuba gear, um, and he knows what he's doing, but it's still risky to dive by yourself because even when we were in 50 foot of water, I couldn't see bottom because it was too murk. There's a thick layer of murk, you know, 10 foot above the, the bottom. So when he's down there in that, I, I don't know. So he's on his own. He knew that going into it. That was a risk he took. He knows what he's doing, whatever. But, you know, even in that clear water, you know, he was going down pretty deep and, there's nothing I can do if something happens, right. you know, yeah. that deep. But, um, no, the sharks, uh, they're not everywhere. Um, he never saw any on bottom. I'm the only person who saw a shark because they literally had to pull me out of the water to go home. <laughs> um, but I was going to make one more dive because the mangrove snapper were, there was a pile of 120 of them at, you know, probably 50 something foot deep. So, I'm just going down and getting one coming back up. Um, and I'm going to like, all right, I'm going to go shoot one more and we can go. And I was literally breathing up and like kind of turn and squeeze in to make that, that dive into the water. And as soon as I do that, I see this big bull. He's big to me. Um, <laughs> just cruising through those mangrove snapper. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to just get on the boat. That's enough. Yeah, I've had, it's four o'clock. We need to go. Um, that's enough for me today. Um, because I'm obviously not going to go shoot a fish right in front of him. Yeah. But that's, I think that would be the thing that, you know, you were talking about clearing your mind or or whatever anxieties you may have. Uh, that would, that would definitely be one of them for me. Probably, probably the biggest one. Well, that would, you would need to be in, you know, 30, 40 miles offshore to do that, to be able to have a clear mind because out there you can see, well, um, you know, you're not going to do good in, even if it's 20 foot of water, um, with 15 foot of visibility, you're not going to do well there because you can't see, you say it's 15 foot. You're like, Oh, 15 foot's a long way. It's not, it's not a long way at all. Um, and you know, you you don't know there there are sharks there probably you know you just can't see them so that's one benefit but they know you're there um, and it's not like it's not like they're just ample man eaters out in the Gulf of Mexico killing picking people off because a lot more spear fishermen would be dead but there's really two species in clear water that you have to worry about that you may possibly encounter. And there's like a point zero 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 one percent chance you encounter a gray white. They are there. There was one called at Orange Beach. Right. They're so few and far between that you will probably never see one. Um, but the one that you really need to worry about, to, to be conscious of rather, is the, a tiger shark. Because, you know, they will just, you know, try and bite you. Because they're just, Did you that's see, who they are. Have you guys seen the video of... Uh... Egypt. And was it Egypt where the kids just getting eaten out there? Yeah. Yeah. What? That was Egypt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was a tiger. Yeah. It was a big tiger shark and the kids not too far off the beach. And there's a lady like filming it. And to be fair, he's not a kid. He was younger. Kid? He was 23 years old. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, to me, which Matt, makes it worse to me and Matt, that's a kid. Uh, yeah, but yeah, the guy's just out in the water and, the shark like bites him and he's trying to get away from it. And he's kind of, you know, treading water out there and you can see the shark circling him and it comes back in and all of a sudden the guy disappears. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's 
and and that's a polarizing image, right? So that's burned into your brain. Oh, that's a terrifying. shark attack. You watch you will watch a man die, and you still have a higher chance of being struck by lightning than you do being bitten by a shark. And then you have an even less chance. You have a greater chance of dying from a bee sting than you do from a shark attack. But it is polarizing, and it is possible, so it is scarier. But at the same time, like that is rare. And spearfishing, you are armed. Like you're not just swimming in water where you can't see what's beneath you. The whole object is to see what's beneath you. Yeah. Um, you know, so you're aware. You have a and you, and if you came with me, you would I would give you a pole spear, not a gun. You know, something that you can't, something easy to operate. You know, I, simple, less yeah. stress. Um, and I mean, you're not you're you're obviously not going to let a shark get close to you. Um, and really the only species that in clear water that you have to really be concerned with is, is the tiger because bulls in clear water act far different than in murky water, you know, yeah. in murk, you know, they're far more aggressive, but still most of the time it's when you have a fish, you know, when you've got a fish hanging on 30 feet, um, of line flopping around. You know, that's a fish in distress. It's an easy meal. They're going to do what they do. Even the barracudas, you know, you'll pull a fish up to your chest and swim back to the boat with it. And you'll get two or three of them side-eyeing you a little bit. And like, hey, man, you know, that looks like a snack, like an easy snack. So, so, um, so but, wait, a, wait a minute. You, you just said something that, that now I've got a whole different look at it. You put, you like, when you shoot the fish, you've got 30 feet of line. And, and Assuming you, I shoot a big enough fish at a deep enough depth to where I don't wrestle him underwater. So mm-hmm. say I shoot a, you know, a fifteen pound snapper. So good size, a good size snapper. He's fighting a little bit, and I'm at thirty feet. So I've got more time than if I was at sixty. I'm going to go ahead and get him closer to me. So the more line I let out the more I let him tangle stuff up, the longer it's going to take me to actually land the fish. You know what I mean? Because I'm diving rich. But what I'm asking is like, so you, you actually pull the fish up to you while you're in the water instead of swimming up and getting in the boat and then pulling him up. That's correct. Yeah. You want to pull the fish up to you, brain the fish to kill it. You know, if it's still flopping around and then, uh, gut it and bleed it, you know, in the water if you if you, if you have time, you know what I mean? You don't have to do that. It just makes the meat cleaner whenever you fillet it. Like, I took a picture that I can send you all that's of mangrove snapper that I brained and bled and gutted in the water versus one that was not just killed and thrown in the, in the ice. And the difference in the quality of the meat afterwards is, you know, night and day good you're gonna deep fry it anyways but um or cover it in blackening seasoning so it's not really gonna matter but yeah you're doing that in the water you're not going to the boat climbing it that's too much effort to get back in the boat and then pull the fish up ah yeah you probably just lost me there i that just feels really sketchy and if sharks are around you want to pull the fish to your chest why to your chest well, I mean, you want to you want to let the sharks know that this is your fish. This is yours. You might as well go on somewhere because you're not getting this one. <laughs> you lost me. I uh, mean, you don't have the energy to swim to the boat. I would you know, shoot a with, fish, and if a shark was eyeing me, I'd instead of me saying it was my fish, I'd be like, "Here you go. This is your fish. I killed this for you." <laughs> yeah, buddy. Well, then you've educated the shark to think that spear fishermen are easy meal. Well, uh, maybe, maybe. But you're not even going to see one, and if you do, just go get the boat. You know, you're not going to just, like I said, like we spent eight hours in the water, and I saw one shark, and it was in the late in the afternoon. So about the time where they're going to start kind of popping up anyways. Right. Matt, uh, what say you on all this? I want to do it. <clears throat> That's what I'm talking about, Matt. All I'm right. serious. I'd go out and try it sometime. So you're telling me that you're good with doing this, but you were sketchy about hand-grabbing catfish out of a log? Can't see what's in that log, can you, Matt? Cannot. I'll do the catfish thing, too. Okay. Well, we probably not. tomorrow's the end of the season on that. 
Oh, y'all better get together. Here, well, my boat's at the shop. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, I, you you would you would enjoy it, and I know that it sounds so foreign, but even just being in the water out there when it's clear like that is an experience in and of itself because you're just a part of a different planet. It's the last frontier. It's the ocean. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're a part of something that you've never really experienced before. You can watch it on TV, but when you're in it, and there's a six-foot barracuda, this big round is a fire hydrant, just sitting next to you two feet away, looking at the same fish you're looking at, you know, completely, completely does not care at all that you're there. Like The barracuda he, doesn't, doesn't mess with No, you. he's just, he's just, He's trying to do the same thing you are. He's trying to get a fish, you know. Um, and, you know, I, I was poking them in the face with my spear gun, getting them away from me the other day. Like, not that they were coming in, but, like, I'm not going to, you know, shoot a fish right in front of the barracuda because he's going to say, hey, there's a struggling fish. I'm going to go eat that real quick, and then I'll lose my fish. Right. Um, but, you know, and, I mean, you can shoot a barracuda if you want. Just make sure you... Uh, <laughs> Make sure you hit him and you kill him. <laughs> you don't want him coming after you because he's quick. <laughs> I caught one on rod and reel one time, and I remember uh, they bled a lot. Yeah. But, yeah, and, and barracuda are supposedly good to eat. They just, I think it's mainly in the Bahamas, but they can contain ciguatera, which is like a some type of disease or something. They can make you sick. I don't know, but uh, you, you can't eat like, in some places, they eat barracuda raw. It's sashimi because it is good meat. Um, but you know, you you need to cook it if you kill one, like in the Gulf, because I thought it was really wanna... uh, really high levels of. Uh, well, know. that's because it's. I mean, I don't know if you would classify barracuda as pelagics. They certainly look that way, but pelagics tend to be higher in mercury, which is assuming. I assume that's what you were going to yeah, say. Yeah, it was mercury. That was what I was looking for. Yeah. yeah, like wahoo and marlin and swordfish are higher in mercury. You just don't need to eat it every day, right. you know. And pregnant women don't need to have it, but you know, it's still fine. And I mean, and and this, <laughs> you know how dad is, right? He's a he's a killer. Um, <laughs> yeah, dad, uh, dad can't free dive really well. You know, he's not. He has trouble clearing his ears, which is, you know, you can't go past ten feet without clearing your ears. You know, you have to be able to do that. Right. It's easy once you figure out what you're doing and can do it well. But the, uh, so dad's kind of a, you know, 15 foot. I mean, he's a sniper now. I'll give him credit where credit's due. If a snapper, mangrove snapper comes up within 20 foot from the surface, it's getting darted in the eyes. Um, <laughs> so his opportunities are fewer, but he capitalizes on them. Um, but he, uh, he, we were sitting there, you know, dad's normally, and well, has always been kind of my, he watches me when I, when I go deep, um, to make sure nothing happens. Obviously you gotta have somebody looking at you and, uh, <laughs> an amberjack came up and these are 60, 70 pound amberjack. Okay. <laughs> so not only <laughs> are we in too deep of water to go down and get them if they go to the bottom and hang up, um, they're 60, 70 pound amberjack, and I'm the only one with a reel on their, on their spear gun. So I can actually let them run. Dad just has like a bungee and like 10 foot of line. So his is more like a reef style gun where you can, you know, you're not really in a condition where you would have to wrestle a fish that weighed that much. That's what I was going to say. But if he shoots something that's big, he's going to, it's going to pull him around. It's either going to pull him around or he's going to let go of that gun. Yeah. Um, and dad's going to drown. Because he's not going to let go. <laughs> so these like massive amberjack come up from the bottom, and they're something fired them up. I don't know what it is, what it was, but they were darting around the rig, coming, you know, within eight foot from us. Like they came up, checked us out, and then they were just shooting around the rig, like just acting the fool. One comes up and is looking at us, and I know immediately what it is, and it's a, it's a giant amberjack, and they're not in season. <laughs> and I'm actually, I actually come up to like, be like, holy crap, did you see that? Like to dad. And I can hear dad in his snorkel screaming, 
shoot him. <laughs> shoot him. Shoot him. He's underwater trying to tell me to shoot the fish because um, he just doesn't know any better. So I had to explain to him, like, not only are they not in season, this whole thing that I spent a month working on is gold. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's out of here. But we will get a date. We'll find some good weather in July or August or even September. And I will take both of y'all out, Dolphin Island, and we will go to that rig. And you can play and do whatever you want to do. That sounds good. At hard. whatever level. At whatever level you feel comfortable at. Or, Ben, you can just sit on the boat. You can drop a line to the bottom because it's not going to affect me. And I'm not going to affect you because we're in two totally different ecosystems. Um, like, there were Hunter, if, I, if I'm fishing six to eight foot deep, that's all I feel comfortable with. Am I going to have an opportunity to kill anything? Yes, you will be able to shoot probably a mango snapper. You'll be able to kill yellowjack, spade fish, moonfish. Oh, um, man. Yeah, you know. I, 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 all right, I agree with Matt there. I can do that. It's... But I'm telling you, like Matt, how tall are you? Six one. Okay, so if you turn upside down in the water, you are now six foot deep. That's true. Yeah. Okay, and now you have fins on too that are probably three foot long, mm-hmm. um, because that is a rule. You need to have a good set of fins to go out there because current's bad. You can't just go, can't kick your, can't kick your crocs off on the boat and hop in the water. You're gonna have <laughs> trouble swimming. Um, you know, so then you got these fins on. So now if you just literally go one body length, you're now 12 foot. And if you have a spear gun that can shoot 10 foot, you're now hunting at 20 something foot deep. That's how, that's like, I know, I know 10 foot feels deep when you're on the river, you know, oh, we're deep water. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, 20 foot deep in the Oklahoma. Like, oh, it's a big deep hole. But when you put it like that, it's, Really not, especially when the water clears up. Right. You know, you'll be looking at a post that's thirty foot deep, and it will feel like it's only just right there. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. So if you just if you can get a body length deep in the water, you know that completely changes what you can shoot at. Um, so, and look, I don't. I mean, all of y'all will be able to shoot a barracuda. <laughs> They're at every level of water golf. Yeah, I'm not shooting. One. I'm not shooting a barracuda. Um. Well, yeah, we, we we need to get a date and go do that. Um, before we go, uh, we've we we've got another date we've got a plan. Um, today I got news that I was drawn for the alligator season. So, big what zone? Southwest zone. Same as last year. Yeah, same one we fished last okay. year. Um, so. We've got to make plans for that. Uh, don't know what my boat's going to be doing, so we may be taking a different boat. But um, I do have two tags now. And the last time Hunter went with us, we killed a 12-foot alligator. So uh, he's got to go and – I, I really – I'm not going to be, like, really picky. You know, like, if we see an 11, 11-and-a-half, 12-foot alligator, we're definitely killing it. But – I would really, really like to join the 13-foot club this year. Well, look, I'll be honest with you. If we see an 8-foot, like, they're, I think having the small tag is stupid. This is, like, for me personally, because the amount of work <laughs> that goes into it, I'm not interested at all in an alligator 8-foot or less. Like, not at all. I don't care. I will not help anybody. Whoever pulls the trigger on a six foot alligator is doing everything by themselves. Uh, I'm not helping them at all. Um, so we need to get, we're going to go trophy hunting and, you know, we can process it and do all that stuff. That's fine, but we're not killing a nine foot alligator. No, 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 no. I, I, I tell you what though, I, I do like the runt gator for the meat. Yeah. Well, look, man, um, shoot so one that's better. four foot. Yeah, we'll shoot like like I'd like to shoot like a six footer. I'll take a machete. I'll cut it off in the water, <laughs> and we'll deal with it that way. Um, and then we're going to prison. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, hang out with Car Ray until he'll tell story. That's right, but no, I you know, um, I you know, I, I like the 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 runt gator for the meat, and then you hunt the trophy gator, obviously. <laughs> Excuse me. 
Um, yeah, I need a, I need a pair of boots, anyways. So. Well, we we'll see what we can do. Uh, but that'll be uh, the last week of August around Labor Day. Yeah, running into Labor Day, so we'll make plans to do that. And uh, I went one other time, and I went you know with other people, right. obviously because you weren't with me. But we hooked about a ten foot gator in the pearl, and I mean that's like uh, it's like trying to walk on a minefield. You know, there's so much stuff. It's just impossible to land them one that big. Well, I I think that's good. Uh, The the thing that's good about the zone that I'm in, we can get in some bigger bodies of water where you don't run into as much of that stuff. Uh, Last year, Matt and I went uh, with some guys that that had tags. And uh, aside from the boat not running right, everything else was a lot of fun. We ended up, Matt, how big was the gator we killed? It uh, It was the run, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like six and a half or something. Yeah, like six and a half foot. But uh, I had a good time. I mean, it's, to me, it's a really good social event, and uh, you might get to you know get a cool trophy out of the deal. So yeah, and if you're if you're new to gator hunting, the best thing you can do is get up with a bunch of buddies, get you a bottle of whiskey, and go hunt gators. <laughs> you got to drink the whiskey before you get on a boat. <laughs> no, no, you do it while you're gator hunting. Oh God, that's a good way to go to jail too. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the first round of tags went out today. Um, I think you've only got like 48 hours to confirm it and then, uh, they'll do another draw in a week for, for the tags that didn't get filled. So, um, if you listen to the show, uh, if you didn't get drawn in the first round check next week, you might get drawn in the second round. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. So you are planning on going to the Yucatan there? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm just, I wouldn't be opposed to trying some new areas, but like I'm familiar with that area when you put in over that Grand Gulf, you know, um, I know yeah. f- f- four four different areas you can, that you can fish. Um, you've got Yucatan, you've got Bayou Pierre, if you go down the river a little ways, you've got the Big Black, if you go up the river, um, I think it's Davis Island, if you go, I think it's called Davis Island. Anyway, there's an island if you go up the Mississippi a little ways. And so there's plenty of water, you know, plenty of space there to to try to get on a gator. So, and generally the the larger alligators taken in the state every year kind of come out of that southwest zone or that west central zone. So, um, but I think this due to more opportunity in those zones as well, you know. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I've about, I'm, that's about it for me tonight, guys. Um, I do have one, one thing that I wanted to mention. Uh, the Pine Belt, best of the best. Uh, we, the Pinstripes to Camo podcast, uh, was nominated uh, to be in, in, in those awards. Uh, we made the top five. Um. So the voting for this will start July the 5th and will go through July the 24th. Um, And you can vote once every 24 hours. So you can vote today and then turn around and vote tomorrow, that kind of deal, starting on July the 5th. And uh, that website, we'll put it out on our social media pages. Uh, For those of you that are listening that might want to vote, uh, we'd appreciate it. And... uh, yeah, so just throwing that out there. All right, well, uh, I'm going to be in Orange Beach this weekend. I'm going to be diving pyramids, looking for some lionfish. And the next weekend is my birthday, and I'll be at Dolphin Island again. Um, we're going to camp at Dolphin Island, and we're going to spearfish for two days, weather permitting, and, you know, try not to die. So, Oh, that just made me think of something else. Something I've been wanting to do, and I want you guys to do it, is to go out to Cat Island and camp and uh, fish from Cat Island out there. Why Cat Island specifically? Uh, cause I, I, just because I've been there and I've camped on it before. Um, okay. But I, I think it would just be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're all shark fish. Yeah, we could do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuss the whole time, but I'll do it. Okay, that's fair enough. Matt, you, yeah. would you be down for something like that? Yeah. All right. You can bring, you can bring, you can bring the boys. That'd be a lot of fun. Bring your flounder gigs, too. Yeah, yeah. 
it's something we can do. So that's so that we can all get sung by Stingray. <laughs> Got to get it on the calendar. All right, guys. Well, I've that's it for me tonight. All right. Well, that's all I got. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Until next time. Until next time. We appreciate you listening. While you're scrolling through social media, go check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, visit our website, pinstripes2camo.com, to read weekly blogs and purchase Pinstripes to Camo merchandise. Thank you.